This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The global elites at the World Economic Forum are back again this year with more plans to tell you how to live. Welcome to a special edition of The Daily Brief. True North was accredited to cover the World Economic Forum annual meeting in Davos, but the big honcho of the WEF, Klaus Schwab, said no to True North's questions, as did the Saudis, who gave me the bum's rush out of what was supposed to be their open and hospitable Saudi cafe. Meanwhile, a prominent U.S. senator attending Davos stands up for the Canadian oil and gas industry. Plus, learn how the global elites are trying to win us over with... Hot chocolate. Yep, you heard that right. Hello, Canada. It's Wednesday, January 18th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Andrew Lawton, joining you from the Congress Centre in Davos, Switzerland. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Andrew Lawton, it's great to have you on the ground in Davos. The first thing I want to talk to you about is what's it really like there? Because the WEF is an organization that a lot of people talk about. People have their theories about what it really looks like when you're actually there, how it unfolds. And then mainstream journalists write articles accusing people of conspiracy theories. But it's not like those journalists even show up to cover. So what do they know? So what's it actually like? In some ways, it's a lot like any other big conference. You have people milling about on the sidelines, you've got poorly attended sessions, you've got hospitality, and you've got different vendors and people from all over. But where it gets a bit different is that the delegates are heads of government and heads of state, people from all over the world that are the CEOs of Fortune 500 countries. You go to the bathroom and the person beside you at the next urinal over is the Prime Minister of Albania, which doesn't happen at Manning Center conferences or other conferences in Canada. But there is another dimension to this, which is that there are all these discussions taking place in private rooms that aren't part of the main program, bilateral, multilateral meetings, and these are taking place in fora that are not open to the press, that are not open to the public. And if you don't see it with your own eyes, you might not even know it exists. So is it something of a shadow United Nations in terms of countries gathering and devising different plans, perhaps preamble discussions to some later agreement that they're going to make with each other's nations? Yeah, to some extent. I mean, the term that I used on my show the other day is that the WEF is a, a corporation masquerading as an intergovernmental organization. It has no influence with the exception of people have decided to give it influence and people have decided to sit at this table and exchange ideas in the forum on their own. And I do think it is interesting how they try to position themselves as being the places where decisions are made, the, all of the different conference rooms and hotel rooms and all of that. And that's why it's not fair to call the WEF a secret organization. They're very transparent about who they are and what they stand for. But there is a lot of that shadowy element that takes place just by virtue of all of these people who wouldn't necessarily be under one roof outside of scrutiny being here at WEF annual meetings. And I think some of the public resentment stems from the fact, to your point, 
decisions are somewhat being made, or at least uh, the early aspects of decisions are being made. And it's not like those world leaders are necessarily turning around immediately to the voter and saying, hey, what do you think about this thing we talked about in our behind closed door meeting? When it comes to regular folks, Andrew, what is the ratio of regular individuals there, uh, regular journalists, just average people who want to pay attention to what's happening and have their say? Or, or is it a, a 95% elite ratio? I don't even know if I would say there are many regular people here. I mean, even a lot of the journalists are, are often here as invited guests, not uh, the little scrappy upstarts like True North trying to come in and hold the WEF accountable. I, look, we've got thousands of delegates, uh, including the staff and advisors and traveling security of politicians and corporate business leaders. And by my count, no more than a couple hundred journalists. And many of these are from Europe. Some of them come if they're head of state. State is going to be speaking at Davos. I have not encountered any Canadian journalists apart from a team from Rebel News. And I think that is in and of itself pretty noteworthy here is that a lot of the time, the people that would ask the regular people questions are not here to do so. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Andrew Lawton, you have asked people some challenging questions. You've gotten answers from some, and you've got closed doors literally and metaphorically as a response from others. Tell us, first of all, about the man himself, Klaus Schwab, who's the subject of well, a lot of online chatter. I understand you did attempt to speak with Mr. Schwab. Yes, it was actually the very first session I attended was a press conference in which Klaus Schwab was one of the participants, and there were only maybe 20, 30 reporters in the room. And uh, after the press conference ended, I went up and there was a, another journalist that was doing an impromptu interview with him, which I started recording as well. And I thought I would uh, get in there myself and try to ask a question. And it was uh, the moment my question started, he had somewhere else he had to be, and he uh, very politely but very quickly went into a room that I I was not able to access. But uh, yes, up close and personal with Klaus Schwab from day one. And I understand the Saudis were even a little less polite when it came to suggesting that you not uh, be operating in their orbit. Well, our colleague, my producer and videographer, Sean, bore the brunt of the Saudi inhospitality, I will say, because uh, they demanded to see the footage that he had been filming on his camera, being the enterprising videographer he is, and we're covering everything we can here. He was walking around with me on a tour that they actually invited us on. They uh, invited us and said, come, come, we'll show you what we're doing here at the Mohammed bin Salman Foundation Pavilion. And it was only near the end of the tour when someone, I guess, saw the red light was on and not that we were hiding anything and uh, started demanding that we delete our footage which we did not do we we simply left and there wasn't much worth showing there in general but it was a very curious thing why are you inviting people into your space and showing off what you are doing if you don't actually want journalists to be able to see that andrew i understand you did have some more constructive conversations with a couple other world leaders though tell us about that 
Yes, people have actually been very kind. I did a little bit of a chat with the president of Serbia. Uh, we spoke about Novak Djokovic, the tennis player, and air, air travel vaccine mandates. I spoke with the prime minister of Luxembourg about whether politicians are really the product being sold here at WEF. And I didn't necessarily agree with his answer, but he was very convivial. The prime minister of Belgium told me we would speak tomorrow, which is actually today, but I haven't seen him yet. So I'm beginning to think he may have been giving me the brush off. Uh, Tony Blair uh, saw him today. He didn't want to speak. And I have a video coming out very shortly of my attempt to ask questions to John Kerry that you can tell he is not used to getting from journalists. And uh, he very quickly ran away and security intervened. But that is something we're going to have coming out. And again, I think that a lot of the leaders here are not used to having people penetrate this little safe space of Davos and talk about things that I think matter to real people around the world. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. U.S. Senator Joe Manchin tells True North on the ground in Davos that it makes, quote, no sense that President Joe Biden has been averse to importing Canadian oil. The Biden administration has instead relied on Iran to increase its energy supply, even after former U.S. President Donald Trump exited a 2015 nuclear accord and reimposed sanctions to curb oil exports and revenue to Iran's government. Here's what Manchin told Andrew Lott. So first off, what do you think of the Biden administration's decision to be so averse to importing Canadian oil? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. You know, Canada's been our best trading partner, it's been our best ally, and it's our friend and our neighbor. And next of all, 62% of our heavy crude comes from Alberta. So I'm totally committed to it, and they're totally wrong in not accepting it, and we're willing to go to different places and lift the sanctions off of Iran, who wants the most prolific terrorist supporters, and give them money or going towards areas that basically do not have the climate standards that, that Alberta has and the way they've done it and done it so well and made so many different advancements. So I'm totally supportive of Alberta oil coming more and more to the U.S. and it was a shame that we didn't ask them to support more. Andrew, this was quite something, a very meaningful exchange with Manchin and something of great interest to Canadians and to the Canadian economy. Yes, and I was very grateful that Senator Manchin was as generous with his time and insights as he was. Now, one thing that wasn't in my video that I think is very important to note and speaks to the tenor of the room in Davos is that someone else started listening in as Senator Manchin and I were chatting, an invited guest of WEF. I think she worked with some energy company or some green tech company, if I recall correctly from her name tag but she started filming us and then after the interview she started asking senator manchin questions that were very anti-oil in nature and it was actually i I think probably an important exchange and he was happy to take her questions as well but i wonder if senator manchin is the exception rather than the rule here as far as his belief in development of the oil and gas sector Andrew Lawton, I know a lot of controversy has been made over clips such as Klaus Schwab saying in previous years that he has successfully penetrated the Liberal cabinet government, touting his direct access uh, to Liberal politicians here in Canada, politicians all around the world. And a lot of people wonder just how is that possible? And I think you have an inkling to how that has happened. 
because you're being wooed with very high-end hot chocolate and because the the swag bags out there are quite something tell us about the the external trappings of, of how people are wooed over there on the ground in davos well, I can't speak to the swag bags because I'm just like a lowly orange-badged journalist. I think it's only the white-badged participants that get the fancy gray World Economic Forum backpacks. But I have gotten one of the other trappings of the WEF and of Davos itself, which is like every few meters when you're walking down the street, someone is thrusting hot chocolate into your hand. And I had decided that I was going to turn this into an assignment. I know it's very difficult work, but that's why I'm here. Uh, and I've tried hot chocolate courtesy of the city of Zurich, of the World Economic Forum. They had uh, quite good hot chocolate. Nothing was as good as Facebook slash Meta's hot chocolate, which if you saw my video had whipped cream, sprinkles, a wafer of some kind, and it also had like an Oreo cookie. And then she took a blowtorch to a marshmallow to singe the marshmallow before putting that on top along with a Meta-branded wafer. Now, I don't normally try to be a corporate sellout, but I was willing to in that moment when I tasted the sweet deliciousness that was Meta hot chocolate. So I think you come for the globalism and you stay for the hot chocolate, or maybe you come for the hot chocolate and stay for the globalism, but either way, it's working. Andrew, what have you learned so far? And in particular, what have you learned in relation to the degree that we do have a global conspiracy afoot here? Well, I think one thing that is important to note is that not everyone here is the same. Not everyone thinks the same. I've actually been quite pleased to see some pushback, especially on the anti-energy agenda from people like Hungary's foreign minister, people like the historian Niall Ferguson, people like, as I mentioned, Senator Manchin. So not all of the speakers are singing from the same songbook, which I think is a bit of a refreshing change even from last May when I was here. But at the same time, I also don't think we can deny that the WEF itself is not just this neutral platform. It's not just a table for convening. It's an organization that has an agenda. The premises of the questions here are always about what can we do to do this? What can we, the public and private sector combining, do? And people wouldn't come here if they didn't feel like action was coming out of it. And I think that's important to note. And, and really, that's the question I'm trying to get to the bottom of from some of the business leaders is, what do you get out of this? Is, are, is access to politicians the goal? Is it just an excuse to go to the Swiss mountains? What is the ROI on your travel, your admission costs, your WEF membership fees? And that's the question that I think a lot of people need answers to. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know, including our in-depth coverage of the World Economic Forum annual meeting, where we're live on the ground in Davos. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.